Tonight, I want to uh, help us understand this one word, and that's me included, this one word that we hear a lot in Christianity, uh, but I think a lot of people don't know what it really is and uh, how to avoid it. It's called unbelief. Unbelief. You heard the term? What is unbelief? How is it different from doubt? What's the difference between unbelief and doubt? What's the difference between faith and fear? So that's what we'll be talking about today. And I titled the message, Unbelief is a Choice. It's a decision. To be in unbelief is your choice. And we'll talk about that today. But before we talk about unbelief, I want to go through describing the different things uh, that we know of concerning our faith. First, we want to define faith. We want to define fear. We want to define doubt. And then we'll go to unbelief and what these things are. Amen? Father, we just want to thank you. We invite your presence. Speak to us tonight. Give us understanding so that we can stand firm on your word, regardless of what is going on around us. Because your word can never fall to the ground. Your word will never return to you void. Thank you, Lord. You watch over your word to perform it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to define all of this. And to me, it's really very important. What is faith? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now, faith is now. It's constant. Faith is always now. Not in the past. You can have faith in the past. But if you're dealing with a situation, you have to be dealing with it in the now. Faith is now the substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things you are hoping for. You don't see it. You don't handle it. You can't smell it. You can taste it. You want it. It's there in the supernatural realm. But your faith gives it substance. It's as if you can handle it. You can feel it. You can see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What you are hoping for doesn't have any substance in the natural world at this time. But your faith gives his substance as if it's there is the evidence of things not seen when you go to court you bring an evidence nobody saw it happen but they can see deduce from the evidence that yeah it took place even though they were not there the evidence tells them that it there it happened right but they were not there faith is the evidence of things not seen so faith is substance and is also evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Things you are believing for. You don't yet see it in the natural. You want it to be, but you can't touch it yet. But your faith says it exists. I'll put my hands around it someday. And here is the evidence. My faith. Clear? Now, fear is a different thing. I've heard people say fear is false evidence appearing to be real. False evidence appearing to be 
real. Now, my definition of fear is this. Just like faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. And they operate in the same way. They do the same things, but in opposite directions. Okay? Now, fear is the substance of things not hoped for. Make sense? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's pleasant things hoped for. Now, fear is the substance of things not hoped for. You don't want it. It's the evidence of things you can see. Uh-huh. Make sense? It comes in the mail. It comes through the doctor. It comes through somebody speaking something to you. It comes from the bank. It comes from them when they say, we're going to take your house. Or it comes from your boss. You don't hope for it. As soon as you hear it or they're talking about it, guess what? Fear says, oh, oh I'm finished, right? <laughs> so fear is what? The substance of things not hoped for. The evidence of things seen. You can see it. The evidence is right there in your face. But you don't like it. And as soon as you see the evidence, your fear is that substance. So you understand what I'm saying? That's what fear is. Now, both of them operate in the same way. First, both of them will motivate you into action. Right? Both of them will motivate you into action. The first action is you start talking about it, right? I don't know what's going to happen. I think I might be losing my job. You know what I mean? Why? You're scared, right? You start talking about it. It motivates you to do something. Faith will motivate you to do something. Now, this is what happens. Faith motivates you to go towards the problem with the word of God to conquer it. Fear will lead you towards either avoiding the problem or going towards the problem with dread because of what you believe is going to happen. Right? Both of them work the same way. Both of them come through information. Faith comes through information from the Word of God. And most of the time, the information from the Word of God and what you see in the natural are contradictory. It doesn't make sense from what you're seeing, but what God is saying is different. So, but faith comes from the information you're getting out of the Word of God. As you get that information and as you receive more information from God's Word, as the information becomes abundant in your heart concerning any, any subject, any subject, whether it's finances, whether it's your health, whatever it is, the more information, the more adequate the information you get from the Word of God, guess what happened? 
your faith increases. Faith comes by hearing information and hearing by the word of God. I know when we talk about faith comes by hearing, most of the time we're thinking, I got to hear the word of faith. What if you can't hear? If you're deaf, how do you receive faith then? Faith comes through information, the right information. You, you can hear it through sign language, right? You can hear it through what the blind, they do something that they read with. Yeah, bro, yeah, they can listen and hear by doing that. You don't have to hear with the ears and they can receive faith and their eyes will be opened. So faith comes through information that you gain from the word of God. The same way the information, fear, fear comes through what? Through information from the male, or from the doctor, or from your landlord, or somebody, somebody telling you from your bank, we're going to do this to you. All of this is, comes through information. That's how fear comes. And both of them, like I said, will motivate. Now, the third thing, both, all, the two of them will also produce If faith works in you when it is through with the work, it will produce, you got some fruit. <laughs> Amen? If fear works in you when it's through, you also got, you have some fruit. No doubt about it. You go one way, you get that fruit. Both of them will produce. One is rotten fruit, the other one will help you. It just depends on where you want to be. And both of them are real. We are more uh, aware of the feelings of fear because it's in the flesh. You can feel it, and it's really hard to go away from it. There's only one way to defeat it, the Word of God. Use information to destroy the wrong information. Amen? It was through information. So you now use God's Word to nullify the information that you're getting that's negative. One is in the spirit realm because you can't see it, and the other one is in the sense realm because you can see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Fear is the substance of things not hoped for, the evidence of things seen. So you got it in your hand, and he's telling you you're going to die. <laughs> okay? But you go with faith and what God says. You go with the information of the word of God. By his stripes, I was healed. And you stay with that. Then the battle is on. That God will always win. No matter how far fear takes you. God will always win. This is what I tell myself. As long as there is a God, as long as Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, I'm okay. No matter what, I'm fine. I will be okay. Will be. Because we all have to go through trials. Our faith has to be tested. And the testing is coming through fear. Once you hear a word, you can be as happy, smiling, and then you hear one information, maybe from the news, and your joy is gone. That's just the way life is. 
You can be at work happy, secure, and then they say, we're going to be laying off 5,000 people from our company. Guess what? You begin to calculate, and you start being really nice to your boss because... <laughs> Because you're afraid. You don't know what's coming your way. Amen? But if you have faith, you tell yourself, they didn't hire me, God gave me the job, and no one can fire me until God is through with me. If they fire me, he's got something better for me. That's faith. But you don't really know, you're just trusting the word of God. That's what faith is. Both come from information. Now, fear, both of them have They'll give you results. And uh, if you look at what Job said, Job chapter 3, verse 25, it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. We know that Job was a righteous man, but deep inside of Job, even though God was bragging on him, can you see how great his mercies are? How much... He looks on us, uh, on us as righteous before God, even though things are not right, quite right. God was bragging on Job, whereas deep inside Job was this fear. But God didn't, he didn't care about that. He was bragging on Job. But Job had that fear in him, and he considered it. Don't know how long he thought about it, but then the scripture tells you by Job's actions, some of the things he was doing because he was afraid. His, his sons, after their party, he's going to make a sacrifice. Sound good. But he was doing it out of fear. Because he didn't want anything happening to his children. He didn't want anything, his blessings being taken away from him. So he was doing everything to prevent, make sure it was on God's good side. He got that, but he was doing it out of fear. And so he came to him because fear will always produce just like faith. Don't know how long it's going to be. It's going to happen. You know what happens? You're from a family where grandma had died of cancer. Hmm? And mama died of cancer. And you are expecting it. In dread. A little pain in your chest says, oh, oh, oh. Maybe this is it. You understand what I'm saying? You, talk, you know, she'll examine yourself. Any little thing. It might be ordinary, but your mind tells you, I know it. I know it. Even before you go to the doctor, you already settled in your mind. This is it. Guess what? You got fear. It's brought it to you. It attracts. So fear will produce. And it did produce for Job. Fear has torment. The Bible tells us, I believe it's in First John chapter 4, verse 18. He says, there is no fear in love. So when you love God, there is no need to be afraid. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You see, that's why God says in his word, and you have, all of us have to fight fear. No matter what information comes to you, you got to fight that fear. Even if you have to speak it out loud, you got to fight fear. Because if fear gets control, you're going down. We're all humans. I have them. When I receive those information, you, you, it's there. But you got to fight it. And the way to fight it, you stay on God's word and say, it's because God said, 
this is enough for me. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Even if you throw me into the fire, God will be with me in the fire. I don't care what the outcome is. As long as God is with me, I'm okay. That's what it is. You got to stay with the word of God. Because fear has torment. That's why the Bible says, you have not received. That's in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. We have not received again the spirit of bondage. And we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And in, uh, in Timothy, the Bible, tells, I believe Second Timothy 1, 7, he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why, God, why is God talking about fear so much? Why would Jesus, every time somebody has a problem, the first thing he says to them is, don't be afraid. Just believe. Because they are opposite. See? Don't be afraid. Go the other direction. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Even though it's tough, it doesn't make sense. He's, he's, he, the doctor is saying it, the, the, the banker is saying it, and all of that. You're standing your ground and you lay yourself in at peace, at rest with God. And God will carry you through no matter what. Because he's promised you, he will be with you. I will never forsake you, Jesus said. And he cannot lie to us. I'll always be with you. Even till the very end, he says, I will be with you. That's comfort enough for me. Troubles will always come. But I got to trust him. Forget what people think. Forget what people say. Stay with your God. And see what, what God... So fear is the, is the issue. They both produce. And faith will produce, sometimes not overnight. That's why we give up. Abraham, you know how many years he prayed, believed God for his son? That God told him he was going to give to him? Think about it. When he was 75, God already told him, you're going to be a father of many nations, right? So if I'm going to be a father, give me a son, right? 25 years later, he was still believing God for a for son. He got discouraged and God encouraged him. Every time he gets discouraged, God will speak to him about it. Just to encourage him. Hey, don't give it up. Okay? Because when you have a son with your wife who is 90 years old, that's a real miracle. <laughs> the world will not doubt it. Amen? But he'll encourage Abraham. He'll talk to Abraham. Abraham says, this, this uh, fellow in my house, he's going to be my heir. He's not even my son. God says, don't worry about it. Your wife is going to give, he says, my wife? <laughs> you know, the, you, God, can I inform you how old she is? <laughs> Maybe you forget him. She is past that time. And God says it again, and Abraham knew. Uh-oh, be quiet. And won't talk about it anymore. He is faithful. Amen? So we need to understand that. Fear. Now, I haven't dealt with both fear and doubt. What is doubt? What is doubt? Doubt is what you have when you don't have any information. Or you don't have adequate information. So you doubt. Because you don't have word, right? If you don't have the word of God... You doubt because you don't know. There is nothing to bring 
faith in you. Do, do you get it? You don't have adequate information. So you doubt. If, if I send you into this room and this place and it's dark, you better believe it when these doors are all locked and the lights out, it's really dark in here. Okay? If I tell you, come into this place and uh, take five or uh, maybe ten steps and turn to the right and you get... If I give you that information, okay, you'll be okay. Huh? Possibly be okay. You do what I ask you, you won't be worried. But if I tell you the room is dark, just go in and get me this. You say, I'm not going in there. <laughs> I'm not going in there. I don't have any issues. You got doubts. You, what it is, doubt doesn't motivate you. If you're traveling and you come to an intersection, you have no map. Okay? And you got this road going this way. This road going that way, another road, and you're standing there, you're coming from this way, and you say, okay, which way do I turn now? No signs, nothing. What do you do? Usually you stand there for a while, right? Trying to think about what to do. You are in doubt. You don't know. You, go to, you don't have any information. Does it make sense? You don't, have, you don't know whether to go back. You don't want to go back. But if I go this way, what if it's, that's not the right way? But if I go this way, don't know. So what you're doing, you're looking around to get some information. Ask somebody. Men don't like to, but they get lost a lot. <laughs> you want to get information, right? You, you really don't have enough faith to do anything until you got the right information. You might decide, I'm going to go this way, but while you're going, you are still in doubt about if you're doing the right thing. If I'm going to be lost or fall into the ocean, what am I doing? But if you have a map or somebody tells you, that's the way to go, just go seven miles and you'll be right there. Guess what? Then you got information and what do you have us? Faith. You know you're going the right path, right? So you go with confidence because you got information. So what doubt is, is you don't have the adequate information. That's why we teach the Word of God. So you have the adequate information. You have enough information. You can run to and fro, back and forth, looking for something to happen. You really can't walk with God because you don't have adequate information. You don't know how to deal with Him. He got it from this book alone. If you don't have that, it's not that you have unbelief. You just don't have enough information to act on the Word. So you doubt. Does it make sense? Now, we you know what faith is? We now know what fear is. And we know what doubt is. So everybody clear with that? So now, what's unbelief? Good question, and I'm glad you asked. <laughs> unbelief is when you have the right information... But for whatever reason, you've chosen not to accept it. That's unbelief. You have the right information. You know everything about it. But you said, no, I'm not going to accept that. For whatever reason. And I've dealt, you've dealt with people like that. You can tell them right to the face. They just don't care. 
They have something in their mind, and that's what they want. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to accept what you have to say. Jesus made it. He said, even if you get somebody from the dead, they won't accept it. It's a choice. You've made up your mind. I'm not going to accept that. That's unbelief. It's a deadly thing. It's a deadly sin. The greatest thing we have in this, the greatest trouble we have in the church today is unbelief. And the danger of it, not just you, including me, we've heard so much. Okay? And we've not acted on so much. The consequence of unbelief, which I will share later, that's what we're suffering. Let me ask you, have you, you think God loves those bushmen that don't have any word and the preacher comes into town and everybody's getting healed and people are getting raised from the dead, right? The same preacher comes to the United States. How many times you've heard that they want to go back? Have you heard that? They want to go back because God seemed to be working. It's not God seemed to be working out there. Not much. The trouble is, we've heard so much. And we have not responded so much. Now, we are walking in unbelief. And we have a hard time. That's the problem. You have the right information, but you're not going to accept it. Because of whatever reason. You're not going to act on it. And when that happens, let me just spell it out. When that happens, your heart gets hard. A little bit. And then every time you hear the word and reject it and refuse to act on it, it gets harder. No matter where you go. After a while, you're so far. It's like God is not there. All your Christian life is lived on the natural. Because you got the information, you know what to say, you know when to raise your hands, you know when to pray, but nothing supernatural. Because you've been walking in unbelief and your heart is hardened. The word don't move you. When they hear the word, just a few words, they're moved. They're and I've been there. Yeah, I tell them, put your hands on your head. They'll do it. One lady, I think, Angie, you saw that video. She had stomach pain. She had some kind of pain in her headache, she, uh, her head, and she had back pain. She said, I, Pastor, I don't have enough hands to put over all my pains. But she was totally healed. You hear about this all over. Why? I'm going to go back to the word, but I'm going to share you something to share with you. You remember in uh, Luke chapter 4, Jesus was saying there were so many widows in Israel, but God didn't send Elijah to any of them, but to a foreigner. Remember that? You know why he said that? He was in Nazareth, where he was born. They had heard that Jesus had done miracles in Capernaum and in Jerusalem. But they knew him. He was that boy, son of the carpenter in a town. And in their mind, where did he get all of this stuff from? 
he did all these miracles in Capernaum. We heard about these great things he's been doing in Capernaum. And in Jerusalem, these miracles. And when he came into town, he opened the book and turned to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He went through that. He sat down and said, this scripture is fulfilled. Before, guess what they did? They got offended. They got offended. They knew him. And Jesus testified, the prophet is not without honor, safe in his own home. They knew the word. They heard the word. They heard about the miracles, no doubt. Maybe interviewed people who were there. But that's Jesus. That's the Nazarene. That's, that's James's brother. How come he got all of this? They won't accept his words because of their own judgment in their own heart. And so, Jesus walked out of town, no miracles. Why? Unbelief. They rejected it. They won't accept it. And every time you do that, your heart gets hardened. Every time God speaks to you, and you don't act on the word, guess what happens? You walk in unbelief, and your heart gets a little hardened. Meaning you are no longer as sensitive to the word of God as you should be. Everyone, of course, suffering, I suffering, and then have to, you have to go back and, 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 and go back and let the word cleanse you. Every time you've heard about people who said, Today, I've heard so many ministers, when they were struggling, they decided they're going to put the word of God down, they stand on it, and they say, from this very day, whatever he says, I'm going to act like it's real. Guess what God does? He makes them known all over the world. Ordinary fellow. But he's made up his mind, I'm going to act on the word. Unbelief is when you know what to do from the word, and you don't do it. You hear about offering? Yeah, I don't. I can't do that. I don't have anything. Oh, yeah, good. Good. God lets you. He respects that. But guess what happens? From that end, you are walking in unbelief. And you're not going to get blessed. Because every time you do it, you're still doing it out of unbelief. You're trying something. Not because you want to do it. You're trying something. He knows it. Unbelief is a deadly sin. It's a deadly sin. Amen? Maybe we shouldn't be saying amen in there. <laughs> so faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the <coughs> word of God. Let me read your scripture here. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17 and 18 it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But... I say, have they not heard? You think they heard, he's talking about Israel, they heard. But they didn't act on it. Yes, indeed, they did hear, but did the word produce faith? Many received the word. For whatever reason, they refused to receive the word. Their sounds have gone out to the earth, to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In Hebrews chapter 3, I said all this because I need to use scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? 
Unbelief. Where you hear the word of God and don't act on it. You know you ought to give your life to the Lord, but you don't want to do it because you're ashamed. Uh, somebody might see you and think you're a bad person. <laughs> you didn't act on it. It says, beware, watch out, brethren, you and I, watch out, lest there be in any of you. In other words, you have some control. You can help yourself, right? Otherwise, why should you beware? Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Once you have a heart of unbelief, guess what you do? You depart from the word. You depart from acting on the word. Guess who you're departing from? The living God. Because of the evil art of unbelief. That's what the issue is. John, James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. To do good, what does that mean? He's just to go do good? To, no. When you hear the word of God and the word of God is demanding action, maybe it's giving, maybe whatever it is, prayer, whatever it is. But you made up your mind that you don't want to accept that. Maybe because you don't like the preacher. <laughs> or the way they presented the word. He's not the preacher. Once you stop it and you don't act on it, you have hurt yourself. An evil heart of unbelief. That's the issue here. But let me tell you a story here, which you all know about. You remember the man that was born blind in John chapter 9? When I say you see and you still don't want to believe, that's walking in unbelief. This man was born blind. Everybody knew in town he was born blind. Jesus found him, right, and made clay and put on his eyes and told him to go and wash. The man, the guy, he went out and washed and he came seeing. I believe in my mind he didn't have eyes. He just had a thick skin. We had that situation in Kenya of a boy who was born with thick skin. So that once you see him, you know he was born blind. No doubt in your mind. I didn't know how the, believe, the apostles knew he was born blind. There must be something different. In his form of blindness that gave him out that he was born that way. And you can see somebody and know that he was born blind. I had to be told about Stevie Wonder, how he got blind. I, I knew, I didn't know if he was born blind. But he had eyes, he just couldn't see. But I believe that that guy didn't have eyes. So that after he was healed, he had eyes and they couldn't recognize him. He looked different. And they said, is that's not the guy that sits there? He said, yeah, he looks like him. <laughs> Read the scripture, he looks like him. Why? Because he looked different. And here was this guy standing before this Sanhedrin and all the leaders. They brought the mother. And he was telling them what happened. And just because Jesus did it on the Sabbath day, and just because they didn't like Jesus, the evidence was right there in their face. But they refused to accept it. Unbelief. The heart got hardened when it was over. They killed the Son of God. And didn't care about it. They had all the evidence. Right there in his face. The fellow said, 
They said, how did they do it? Because they were not going to accept it. He said, I told you before, you didn't accept it. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples? They said, we are not his disciples. We are Moses' disciples. We know where Moses came from. But this fellow, we don't know where he's from. The guy said, oh, this is strange. <laughs> I mean, you, know where, you don't know where he's from and you opened my eyes. He says, oh, we, we know that God doesn't hear the um, sinner's prayers. If this man were not of God, he said, he couldn't have done this type of thing. He said, we've never heard you leaders. You taught us that. That's what he's saying. You were the ones that taught us that unless you walk with God, you can't do this type of miracles. You taught us that. We know because you taught us. He was just an ordinary fellow, but he said, you were the ones that taught us this stuff. If he were not of God, he couldn't have done this. Have you ever heard, he told them, of anyone that opened the eyes of somebody born blind? They got mad. They said, you were altogether born in sin, and you're going to teach us? And they threw him out. What was that? They have the evidence right there. The guy was speaking. He was born blind. The mother came and said, yes, that's our son. We just don't know how he got his eyes. Evidence, nobody has seen that. But because of their own heart, they decided we will not accept that. That's unbelief you had in your heart. That's what happened. Mrs., that's what happened. Now let me show you another scripture here. John chapter 12, beginning from verse 37. It says, But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. They just won't accept it. They won't accept it. That's where the problem is. And if you read the passage later, he says that there were those that believed in him, but they won't confess him openly because they were afraid, because they've agreed that if you believe in him, they'll throw you out of the synagogue. He said they love the praise of men rather than the praise from God. They had the evidence, but they won't accept it because they were afraid of men. So what's that? Unbelief. And it really hurts. Unbelief will harden your heart. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. So when you refuse, your heart is being hardened. You hear his voice, but you don't mix it with faith. The word that was preached to them did not profit them because what? It wasn't mixed with faith. They didn't accept it. If they, they had accepted it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Once you reject it, no faith, you walk in unbelief. You got the information, your heart is hardened. Make sense? I have to watch. That's why it says beware that you don't do this. An evil heart of unbelief because it's going to destroy you. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16, the last scripture I used tonight, through 19, it says, For who haven't heard rebelled 
who haven't heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear? Now notice what God did. He swore that they should not enter his rest. But to those who did not obey, they didn't do according to the word. So we see they didn't enter into his rest. So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. They couldn't enter his rest because of unbelief. What is this? What is it saying? You remember they went, God had told them, I'm going to give you the land. Huh? Flowing with milk and honey. They sent 12, 12 spies in. They saw the land just the way God described the land for them. It was good land, they said. Flowing with milk and honey. They agreed. So God gave them the right information. But God had already told them he was going to give the land to them. But when they came back, even though these guys had seen all the miracles in Egypt, walked through the Red Sea, think about it. What more do you need? What, who will divide the sea? What giant is going to stand before somebody that splits the sea? They saw all of that. And yet, they were afraid of the giant. For whatever reason, they got scared of it. And they said, we won't go in. And God was upset. He was upset. He didn't like it. Because they had all the evidence. But they wouldn't act. But two of them said, uh-uh. God is with us. They're just like bread for us. We'll eat them alive. Just, just let us go. Let's go right away. And they talked about stoning those two individuals that were saying they should go into the land. And they wept all night long. And God said, they said, we want to go back to Egypt. We, we can't even smell the garlic right now. <laughs> we're going back. And God said, then, then they said, we'll die in the wilderness. And God said, I heard it from the mouth. That's where you're going to die. You'll die in the wilderness. And that's what God is saying. They never entered into his rest because of what? Unbelief. They had all the evidence. They just will not act. They just will not act. They walked in unbelief. They wouldn't trust God. You know, God sent in a plague. You know that? And was going to destroy them. And then all of a sudden, after whipping all through the night, and Moses rebelled.